0: Welcome to Phoenix Empire. This is your host, Bradley Santiago. Today, we have a very special guest with us, uh, Mr. Chris Graffinino. Uh Chris is a combat veteran, innovator and entrepreneur who settles for success and nothing else. Uh, give him a warm welcome, everybody. What's up, Chris? How you doing, man?
1: Good, Brad. Thanks for having me on the show, man. Glad to be
0: here. Yes, you. sir. Yes, sir. And my buddy Chris, man, another another fellow veteran, another fellow entrepreneur. You know, I couldn't wait to have him on the show. I've, we've been waiting some time. It's, well, it's been like two or three weeks in the making. Yeah. We talked about it. We yeah. smoothed it out for each other, and we finally found the time to to get on here and you know talk for a good hour or two. So, yeah, so. thanks for
1: thanks for making time for me. I know my yeah. schedule's been kind of crazy but I appreciate it. I know your schedule is uh, crazy as well, so.
0: Right, man, I mean, with kids, with the family, with running the business, with everything else in between, man, I know how it gets, man. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I mean, for me, I saw, I, I don't even, I, f- I forget how I ran into Chris. Um, I think it was through Instagram. Um,
1: no, I think so, yep.
0: It was, I think it was through the Settle for Success, Uh, his, his program that he has for mentoring. And I was like, man, this dude looks really interesting. Um, looked like a really stand up guy almost, you know? And so I was just like I reached out to him and then didn't get a reply and then reached out again once I had my podcast. He was like, Oh, like sounded real interesting. And I was like, Boom, he's perfect. And then we started hitting it off.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I see a lot of myself in you, right? Uh you're in the military. And, uh, you know, that was kind of a defining moment in driving uh, to settle for success, right? Because uh, there are no mission failures in the military. So when I seen you kind of, you know, managing active duty, running a successful podcast, I was, I'm definitely excited to be on the shelves. So.
0: Yeah, man, for sure. Um, and that's, and for me, we're all going through our, through our things. And that's what that's what that's what what was helping me is reaching out to these other uh, CEOs, these other people who who I see that are making it. And I'm just like, wow, this is the potential of what I could do since I'm on the way out of the military. And I saw that uh, you had your story on um, I think it was Settle for Success, the website, or one of the websites that you have. And it talks about your story on how you suffered injuries on how you had to make your transition out of the military and what you did. I was like, that's, that's a role model to look at. That's somewhere to be.
1: Yeah. So I, you know, I, I started in life and uh, always wanted to be in law enforcement. Always wanted to be a New York city cop, uh, went to college, you know, got my degree in criminal justice with a minor in poly uh, political science and uh, was a, uh, was a cadet with the NYPD, did, all different types of things was a correction officer for New York city on Rikers Island. And, uh, something that I always wanted was to, you know, when you live in New York, post nine 11, here we are, we just passed the 18th anniversary. Um, you know, I think everybody, a lot of, uh, people had a similar sentiment where they wanted to kind of serve their country and kind of seek revenge. Right. Uh, that's, that's kind of, that was kind of the drive for recruitment. So, you know, I, I joined the, the National Guard, and, you know, talking about ETSing or coming out off active duty, uh, it's, I think it's a little bit different, right, from uh, coming back from a combat tour, uh, especially when you're injured. There's really no transition. You know, you're active duty one day, and then all of a sudden your order's in, and now you're back in the civilian world after, you know, spending 15, 18 months on orders, you know, a year of that in combat, in theater. But all the, now, you, you know, if you sustained injuries, um, you kind of have to find yourself when you come home. And, you know, it came to a point where uh, when I got home, <clears throat> there was nothing waiting for me. You know, I had a, my, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, we were together a few years, but I suffered a traumatic brain injury. I was having seizures. Um, I had, you know, speech therapy and occupational therapy I had to go for. Um, a couple of other n- neurological issues from the TBI. So in, a, in an instant, my goal of remaining in law enforcement for 20 years, my entire career was over uh, and I had to start over. However, you know, starting over as a, as a civilian, when you get out of the military, you know, you're not, you're starting over, but you're bringing all the experience, the training, the ethos that are instilled in you. Uh, to drive you uh, into, uh, into, you know, your next life, basically, your, your next, your civilian life, if you will. So, you know, uh, being 26 years old, I knew I couldn't be retired. i you know, 80% uh, disabled uh, out of the army. Uh, and, you know, not being able to go into law enforcement, I was called for FDNY uh, to be a firefighter. I turned that down. But I did uh, take a job in the, in the corporate sector on Wall Street in downtown Manhattan uh, working for the insurance industry. And I took a, you know, entry-level corporate security role actually as a watch officer. And the, the job was to, you know, monitor CCTVs, work uh, shift posts and uh, report any open doors and things like that. But uh, you know, when I started, we we started developing this role because of the talent that uh, that the company was hiring into this kind of uh, command center that was developing. And I started spitting ideas of from becoming watch officers to intelligence analysts based on the work that we were doing. And we started getting involved in uh, employee travel and conducting risk assessments on the locations that they were going to see. And really, you know, my career in law enforcement and the military kind of all, uh, boiled together into this, uh, hybrid kind of role. And, uh, it took off from there again, you know, having the drive to, you know, go into this fortune 500 company and feel like it's my own, right. Really take ownership of it, come up with these ideas. And I had a supportive, uh, you know, hierarchy of managers that, you know, were very uh, interested in my ideas and helped develop uh, something that was security guards in a you know in an in, in an office watching closed circuit cameras and door you know doing access uh, badges for employees to this global security operations center with you know member, former members of the military different uh, government agencies all with specialty in analytics and language and travel and geopolitical and socioeconomic issues. And we were able to transform this into an intelligence center where we would, you know, monitor global development, uh, global developments, and, you know, kind of create safe travel for our employees and steer uh, direction of how the company conducted business in some of these more complex, environments uh, throughout, you know, Latin America, Africa, the Middle East, and, you know, just if you're not sure, but if you're not aware already, there's certain types of insurance products that uh, are underwritten where it requires engineers or underwriters to travel to pipelines in Libya or the Kurdistan region of Iraq. you know, go to Vietnam, go to Latin America to basically inspect job sites and underwrite policies. So, our role was to protect them, and we developed this international network in, inward facing at our employees traveling. So, uh, we took it one step further and we uh, created a concept to take what we did and test it. Um, which proved successful internally, and then sell it outward to uh, clients. So insurance products that incorporated security, intelligence and crisis operations we were now uh, selling forward-facing to clients. So this was kind of you know revolutionary ideas um, and you know I had a, again, a big support network. It took me all over the world. I went to uh, we ended up moving uh, to Houston, Texas for three years. And you know while I was there things start to change, right? Uh, corporate politics, uh, managers move on, managers come in, some are not as accepting. So the purpose of that, the story is, you know, I was always gung-ho and excited about taking my ideas and building it for somebody else. That's not an entrepreneur. Maybe my mindset was that of an entrepreneur, but I'm do, I'm building somebody else's dream. And it's not even their dream, right? It's their yeah. it's their and it's one of the largest, uh, it was one of the largest insurers in the world and multi-billion dollar company, been around for a hundred years. And, you know, I'm just adding to their, uh, you know, kind of to their uh, book of business and uh, their ideas, you know, uh, their their selling points. So there was a, a moment kind of uh, when I, you know, had a, com- a comment from a, from a manager and i realized that i had no creative control i lost creative control you know it was kind of a a false belief that i had it up to a certain point and then new people came in and my creativity was constantly shuttered um ideas that i you know i was told wouldn't work uh in the industry within the industry outside of the industry and um Finally, in 2016, I co-founded uh, Guardian Arc International, which is a global risk solutions company. And you know, just you know without kind of diving into things, but uh, too, uh, without diving in too deep into things, we basically launched this business with $100 in a business account, zero marketing, zero advertising, and in three years built an eight-figure company, a global multi 1000000 dollars corporation that we're still continuing to grow. Still continuing to develop, we're spending a lot of money on human uh, human talent now, human uh, resources, as as well as technology. So, you know, I, I I think and and that's kind of the the most free and happy I've been in my entire life. To wake up, you know, kind of almost when you want to, right? You're always uh, at your the, your clients beck and call, but I work for myself. Any idea that I put into play, I talk it out with some uh, experts, my, uh, my fellow co-founder, and, um, and and we make it happen if it, if it works. So, you know, my creative control is back. And that's kind of the need of an entrepreneur, right? That's the settle for success uh, attitude. Uh, when you're told that you can't do something, that it'll never work, that if it was that easy, anybody could do it, speech, right? Um, because when, when you do talk about things, when I speak about things, they sound so simple. And that's basically, you know, kind of how my brain and thought process works. To me, it's simple because I understand it. So there's no need to get into the semantics of how it's going to work. It's just a simple plan, right? Exactly what I just, I just summed up almost 10 years of what, how I went from an entry level watch officer to co-founder and chief operating officer of a global uh, risk solutions company in in 10 years. And um, I think, you know, I always say it took me 10 years to become an overnight success. And um, it's the truth, you know, we started, the biggest challenge is taking the risk. Uh, At the point where I had enough uh, of being under somebody else's control, um, I left my uh, employer uh, with a wife and a kid, you know, um, with about six to seven months, uh, of savings to live off of and continue, you know, spent 20 plus hours a day working on my, working on my, my brand, working on my company, working on my ideas. And, um, you know, I think we were in, and there was a lot of downs, right. In that almost, uh, it was actually almost like eight months. And, um, it it came to the last month and I, me and my wife were talking and, you know, we, we, she was a big supporter of what I did. Right. So support is key throughout this entire process, a good support network, which is also why I created Settle for success, which I'll get into, but having a support network is critical. And, uh, my wife was a great and is a great support network uh, or support, uh, beam for me. And we got into it because things didn't look like they were progressing. Things were doing the opposite actually. And I was in the seventh month of, you know, being unemployed or self-employed, if you will. And I basically had like less than a month left to live off of. And, um, I was, you know, going to start driving an Uber. That was my backup. Because I would not work for another corporate entity again as an employee, right? So I was going to continue to work on my my brand. But you know, obviously, cash flow becomes an issue. So Uber was an idea, or in, in my head, as a kind of backup plan. And uh, literally September of 2017, we were con- contracted. Uh, to provide emergency evacuation support. That's part of our crisis management offerings, right? To uh, respond to clients or these uh, either scholastic education department clients or corporate entities. Uh, We were uh, to provide, provide them support in times of hostility in certain areas. So we were contracted in the Caribbean after Hurricane Maria, Uh, In 2017, September, actually, this is uh, next week is the two year anniversary coming up and uh, to evacuate clients stranded on an island. And, uh, you know, we got the call and immediately. Right. We said we can do it without a single thought of how we would do it. And, you know, again, going back to entrepreneurship, you know, being an entrepreneur is there's a great example I love is jumping out of a plane right? 30,000 feet up and building a parachute on the way down. And that's kind of everything we do. And in this situation, uh, we were, I was on an airplane flying down to St. Lucia and um, figuring out what we were going to do. And it ended up being the largest private maritime evacuation in modern history over the course of nine days. So, um, you know, we, you know, kind of uh, were on the map that was like, as you know, working for an employer, I've conducted dozens of operations similar to that, but being on my own with my own brand for the first time conducting that scope of work was the most amazing thing. And to this day, career wise, my biggest, uh, success and that, you know, you take the momentum from doing uh positive and you keep running with it and you keep driving with it. And, you know, I think, uh, another interesting or a good con and good concept is what a lot of businesses do is, you know, a lot of people would have done that and cashed out. You know, we we are very liquid in our business. We keep a lot of uh, cash on hand and we don't pay ourselves with all the money that we make. You know, immediately after, you know, the first year in business, I could have had the Ferrari, I could have had the the, the houses and all this other stuff. But we wrote ourselves, you know. We paid ourselves accordingly, and uh, and and kept moving and focused on building the business. We were looking, you know, the long-term post-10-year plan, right? We, we want to uh, create a legacy to leave behind for, you know, our kids, our our name, our clients, and and the industry. So that's kind of what the focus is, you know. The focus for us, for me, has not been. Uh, money, right? It hasn't been making a lot of money. It's been the ride, right? The process, the figuring things out, the the helping clients or helping individuals that don't have solutions and and your job is to figure it out because it seems impossible to them. And I, you know, I think uh, everything seems impossible, but you know uh, what they say, everything's impossible until somebody does it. And, uh, you know, there's a solution in everything. And that is the, the, the adventure. That's the ride. That's the, you know, putting 20 hours, sometimes, you know, 30 plus hours straight, getting on long distance flights and going out into the field and visiting and meeting and greeting clients and, and, and helping them develop business. And um, so that's that kind of the reward. Uh, that's the most enjoyment uh, for me is the figuring stuff out. And uh, again, the, the money's not the reward. You know, there's a lot of cons in it, right? You know, it's hard to work 12, 14 hour days around the clock, you know, sometimes and have two kids now, your wife, family time. So, you know, I created this, um, this business that gives me more freedom. I'm not tied to an office. My office is my, my mobile phone or my iPad. So anywhere that I have a, 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 cell signal or wifi, I can work. And, um, you know, it's challenging to do that, but you know, at the end of the day, I want to spend as much time with my family as possible. Right. I was in combat. I, you know, was in operations in the private sector that almost killed me. So, you know, you realize how precious life is, how short it is. So, you know, the goal for me is freedom to be able to do whatever I want, whenever I want, and you know, spend that with my family. So, um, but again, I'm I'm kind of obsessed with the process of building this company. It's it, it again, you know, it's not about money. It's not about you know what. If you're, if my target is a uh, hundred million or a billion dollars, it's it's just you know, I'm going to keep going until until I can't go anymore, and then wherever I am, that's that's where that's where we are. And I, yeah. and, you know, I want to build it to leave behind uh, for the next generation. So that, that's kind of, you know, w- where I am uh, thought-wise. And um, you know, while doing all of this, again, the struggles. I think you know, I was successful in large because I had, uh, I have ADHD, right? And uh, so they say.
0: So they yeah, say. Yeah, yeah.
1: So they say, right? I think ADHD is really good multitasking. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I, I have uh, kind of an oppositional defiance uh, in me where if I'm told I can't do something, I use that and I say, watch me. And, I'll, you know, I'm not the only one, right? But it's how you use it. If you can harness it and learn, you know, a lot. some people look at it as a disability or a disadvantage. If you can take it, and use it, it, it can work as an advantage for you. And and it, it has for me, but you know, I think the most important thing throughout this process is support. You know, uh, people, um, you know, are not supportive in the sense of new ideas, right? People don't like change. People also don't like everything staying the same. So you're not, but you know, coming up with ideas that are, so far fetched and and sound crazy uh, to people you know instead of you know getting the you know somebody to be happy and and help in the process, it was quite the opposite so uh, settle for success I created I'm in the process of still creating for uh young entrepreneurs that are like-minded to yourself and myself, that need a support network, that need a mentor, right? That um, that need motivation, and that need a platform to connect with other individuals to collaborate. And uh, Settle for Success is a pro bono uh, service. There's no, it's free, it's a nonprofit, And I'm hoping to, you know, kind of take individuals that you know, have these ideas and uh, have these uh, aspirations, but nobody to share them with. And, you, you know, know. I, 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 think a lot of times that's what, that's why people fail or they just don't pursue it because, you know, they, they're told, you know, you have to do the nine to five, you have to retire with a pension and you need, you know, a job with benefits and health care and all this all stuff. All
0: that poor talk. Yeah, you know, it's
1: and you know, I think it's you know, it, it's a mindset, right? It's it, it, for whatever reason, right? Maybe somebody that's maybe a parent is telling you this because they anything that they maybe they had the same ideas and maybe they were shot down or maybe their dreams fell apart, so and they don't believe in it or and they don't believe that it's possible to achieve success. in 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 a high uh, fashion so you know maybe they think they're doing their their kids or cousins or little nieces and nephews good by telling them don't get your hopes up because life is full of disappointments that's true life is full of disappointments however you know um not everything lasts forever there's constant change and you know it just because you're trying to get through a door a certain way and you can't, doesn't mean that you can't get through that door. You just have to change your way of getting in. It's all about the
0: same thing with the mindset.
1: Absolutely. It's all, it's all mindset, right? Um, I think uh, Dave Chappelle on his latest uh, uh, comedy stand-up on Netflix said, uh, poor is a, is a mindset, right? You're broke. You're not poor you know, uh, you're, and broke is a temporary situation, you know, uh, you know, considering yourself poor, or, you know, that's, that's a hard, uh, reality to break out. Of. You know, your mind, uh, as everybody knows, controls a lot of things, right? And once you convince yourself of something, it's hard to change. So if you can structure it and, and direct it in the right, type of, uh, mindset. Right. Um, you know, you'll, there was no failing for me. You know, when, once I got my mindset on this business and creating a business and breaking into the, into an industry and there, that was it. You know, I never thought about failure. I never thought that it wouldn't work even when other people told me it wouldn't work. You know, it's like telling somebody, you know, the sky is purple and them, and then, you know, saying, no, it's not. And But you're seeing the sky, you know, as the color that you see it. So that's kind of uh, where I am. And that's what I hope the Settle for Success brand does. And honestly, that's what I hope uh, this podcast does. I hope this podcast motivates people um, that, you know, if I can do it, anybody can do it. You
0: know? Um, yeah. Because I'm looking at you and... In- yeah. Like, it's not like, what's what's different between you and I, you know? There's,
1: not, there's nothing different, you know? It's it's all internal in your mind, right? It's all what you're thinking and or how you think or how you view yourself or how you view your capabilities. Mm-hmm. You know? And, um, you know, starting with the veteran community, I, you know, coming back from a deployment, I've known people that have taken their own lives. I've known people that have completely you know, become dependent on drugs. I've known people that, you know, their marriages fell apart and they lost everything. And I know people that are successful, you know, white collar, uh, you know, business professionals, and also uh, some are in, you know, civil service in law enforcement and firefighting or medical services. So, you know, it, it varies, right? But we all served in the same theater. Uh, we, all, we all saw and had similar experiences. It's how your mind deals with it, controls the outcome of, you know, where your life will, will lead.
0: Mm-hmm. And you can
1: change it at any time. You know, that's the, that's the interesting thing, right? It's not, you're not dependent on something that's manufactured and you're putting into your body. You have control of your mind. One, you have to realize that you do. And two, you have to be able to say, this is it. I'm going to do it. You know, you can spend your youth kind of, you know, clubbing and partying and going out and vacationing and all this, and then work later in life, right? Or you can start young. That's the only thing, you know, for me, uh, knowing what I do now, I wish I would have started younger uh, but in the same, in the same manner, um, you know, based on the niche market that I'm in, I needed all of these other life experiences. Uh, to put you in right where you need to be. Yeah, you know, I get, I get the question all the time. Well, how did you get into your field? How did you do what you're, what you're doing? And it's like, well, I kind of created my own path. You know, there, there's, no, there's no operational manual to get to where I, I am. And that goes, that holds true to many people and many uh, successful people, you know. There's no written, you know, you don't go to school for liberal arts and graduate with a certain GPA and get a job in a certain place that, that you know, it's not, What it wasn't critical, you know. Being where I am now, you know, to some degree, you know, college was, was good for me. I enjoy learning new things. I enjoy different perspectives. Uh, you know, you could have got to where I am without a degree, you know, without going to college. Um, so nothing should hold anybody back. You know, that's kind of the point I wanted to drive, uh, drive home.
0: Nah, you're good, man. I, I completely understand that shit. And that's what, that's what I try to tell people, man. And it's just, and it's shitty to say that the people that are closest to you be the ones that are just like, Oh, well, blah, blah. You're just like, bro, I'm, Telling you about it. I'm doing it. This is what I'm doing. Like, this yeah, isn't. You know, it,
1: it, it's not that, you know, uh, you see quotes all over the internet. I think they're overplayed. But uh, success is lonely at the top, or it gets lonely at the top. You know, I I you always surround yourself. Instinctively, you want to be popular. People are social animals, right? They want to fit in. They want to, they don't want to stand, you know, they don't want to, stand out in a negative way, right? They don't want to be looked at as, oh, that person's not cool or they're crazy, right? Um, so, you know, you sound, you surround yourselves with people that are like-minded. And, and usually people don't uh, stray too far out of their comfort zone. So if I'm kind of an average person, I'm not going to instinctively want to hang out with you know, these like star-studded CEOs, you know, successful uh, people, right? Because I, I, I'd I be lost in the room. Nobody would notice me, you know, uh, and, and instinctively, you don't want to do that. I, I disagree. You know, I do believe in, you know, you uh, take on the pers- uh, persona of the average of five people that you surround yourself with the most. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in hanging out or, you know, being friendly or making friends with people that are 10 years beyond you, you know, beyond you in, in, in life as far as age and uh, marital status and kids and, and, and careers, you know, because that's what you, you know, that motivates you. I'm driven by surrounding myself with people that, are doing way better than me. I like to be the dumbest person in the room, you know, and it's for good cause, right? Yeah. Because if I'm the smartest person in the room, then I'm either hanging out with the wrong people or if they work for me, I'm paying the wrong people. And, you know, a lot of people, again, it's a, you know, ego is an issue. um, And, and, you know, um, and and, uh, security Right job security. If it's in the if it's in a work environment where, you know, I don't want to hire anybody that's going to outshine me in the performance of my in my role, you know, because they might take my job. I, you know, I think that's a bad. Uh, that's a bad. That's sets a bad precedent. It's political, man. It, uh, again, it's all it's all political. If you're confident in your ability, and um, you know, you're not threatened by other people. That you know, that's the way to go. It and I learn so much from uh, people that I that I work with, that I you know work for, that I uh, that I go out for drinks or cigars or the social setting with. I learn a lot. Now you know that doesn't happen as often as if you know I was in high school and just hanging out with kids that you know, want to play basketball or whatever all day and just not really, like when you're not really thinking about, you know, kind of your future and you just fall into that that class of friends, right? In a in school setting, you know? So um, it wasn't like that for me. It wasn't until I bro- broke the barrier of, holy shit, this guy's ideas are actually working and the market is responding favorably it who is this guy Uh, you know or you know people start reaching back out after disassociating with me uh because they thought i was never going to make it so you know and and obviously family is always there you know family whether they support you or not family is family right you're always going to hang out with family you're always going to you know see them at events and parties you know we see ours, you know, outside of this house, you know, outside of my immediate family, we see them two, three times a week. So family is very important, but you have to learn how to juggle it because, you know, it, it I, I come from, you know, kind of middle-class background. I'm um, one of five uh, siblings. So, um, you know, it's not, I didn't get any, everything I wanted when I wanted it. Right. I wasn't like an only child from a, you know, affluent, uh, family. So, you know, you gotta like, you know, I'm, I have two brothers and two sisters. So you have to, you know, fight for things, fight to be heard, you know, you're loud at the table, All the different types of ways to stand out. And, you know, but, you know, dinner conversations are going to be awkward. Right. Um, you know, if you start hanging out with the old crowd again, you know, nobody asks you how your day was, um, because they don't want to hear, that everything was great. You know, they want to hear that you're busting your ass to make ends meet and you're just getting by. And that's kind of, you know, everybody, um, everybody feeds off of that in the group. So now the group is uh, all doing the same and talking about the same thing. So, you know, it's hard to uh, conversate with, old kind of friends and things about where I am and where I'm going and what I've done. And, uh, you know, that's the struggle. So you do have to kind of, you know, know your audience, you know, once you're outside the box looking in, it looks completely different. Right. When you're in that crowd of, you know, I'm a civil servant, I'm working around the clock as a law enforcement officer. And I don't know when my days off are going to be week to week. And, you know, you're part of everybody else. Everybody's on the same playing field. Once you break the mold and, you know, you're on, uh, you know, and you have a, a degree of success and uh, you, you change, you know. I, I don't think money changes people. I think um, the process to yeah. get the level of making uh, kind of serious money, that process changes people. It change, The mindset is different, right? I don't, I'm not sympathetic uh, to certain people anymore that are lazy, right? Or um, that kind of create their own failure due to lack of doing anything. Um, so I'm not sympathetic to that anymore because, you know, um, there's ways out of it. You know, there's plenty of uh, opportunity. I mean, this is the United States of America. Last time I checked, and you can literally uh, go from nothing to everything, you know, in a, in a matter of, you know, short period of time. So. Um,
0: it just depends on how fast you want to do fucking something. Right. right.
1: It's all it's motivation. And again, you know, I'll drive it back to the settle for success. That is it. You know, my, my goal is to mentor people that are up and coming or maybe they're not up and coming, but they're in one place and they have ideas and they don't know what to do with these ideas, you know, because uh, that's a process, right? And the ADHD, which I love, but, um, you know, it keeps you up at night. My mind is always turning and turning and it's hard to fall asleep. So what do, you, what do I do? I, you know, keep a notepad next to the next to my bed. And when I wake up or I can't sleep, I start writing ideas down or things that I'm thinking of. And then some of those actually become, uh, you know, business services yeah. that, that I'm selling today. And, and so, you know, it's, you, you have to be able to use what you got, basically, you know, and, and make it work for you. So, you know, and I know like my son is three and a half and he's in preschool and he, ha- he is a mini me. And there's periods of time where I want to slam my head into the wall because he drives me crazy. But, you know, he's going to be raised, you know, being creative, you know, and innovative and, you know, not being told that the most wildest ideas that he can think of at three and a half can't happen that are not possible. So, um, you know it's gonna be a, it's gonna be interesting and I hope it's uh, you know I hope that
0: kind of there's a book uh fuck, what's it called? I hate to cut you off. it's called uh I forgot what it was called, but I think it's called it's by Dr. Benjamin Spock okay. and it's just like about like how to raise your kid. but anyways, uh, this entrepreneur Dan Pena, he was saying that his mom like was religious by that book. And she never told him no growing up. So never told him he couldn't do anything. She always told him something different from no, like we'll do it tomorrow or not right now. We'll get to, or just different ways on how to tell him, like, we're not going to do it,
1: you know? Yeah, Yeah, we, we're, that, similar, like, we're similar with our kids.
0: And know, that mind. kind of trained his mind to like have, have. Uh, they built his self-esteem up from from yeah. an early age. And that's what sort of helped him
1: I think uh, I think my son was one and he had just kind of discovered how to open up a, a bottle while he was in his crib and he used to empty it onto the wood railings and he used to hand paint with his milk all over the, the backboard to the crib the sides of the crib and you know interesting, my first reaction the first time it happened was going to be to tell him that that was wrong and not to do it. And my wife, uh, Danielle, stopped me and said, what if he's going to be a painter one day? You know, what if he would be the next Picasso or Van <laughs> right. And at exactly. years old, you stopped him from, you know, hand painting because it was milk and it's not normal. And, you know, that kind of changed my mindset to as long as it's not a safety issue Um, we kind of just let him let his imagination run wild and let him enjoy being a a toddler. So, uh, you know, I think uh, we'll see, we'll see how that goes, but you know, uh, I I hope I, you know, I could be a mentor to him as he grows, but you know, I'd like to again, be a mentor to as many people that want to seek it. You know, I'm trying to be more relatable and more in touch, right? There's like the Ty Lopez's and the Grant Cardones and the like Tony Robbins. And while they're all very successful and people idolize them, and I think uh, there's good information to take away from that. People idolize them and obsess with them, but you know, would Grant, they don't take
0: action though?
1: Right, they don't take action. But would Grant or Ty even give them the time of day? Maybe. You know, but likely not, right? Like if you sent Grant or Ty a, a direct message or an email, or, you know, we wouldn't necessarily get a reply back. No, you absolutely would, with certain, without, uh, with, with near certainty, they wouldn't mentor you. Uh, so I'm trying to be kind of, while I'm at the ground level building this yep. uh, tower, I want to be the person that's reachable. That's available to mentor, to be able to somebody to be able to get, you know, ping ideas off of and, and guide you in kind of a business process for converting something that you woke up in the middle of, of the night and thought of to uh, something that could be revenue generating.
0: Yeah. You know, cause you're, cause you're going to, you're going to, your propensity is going to go up. Like, you know, you're already going up. So and then with with you, it's like, okay, like, and that's kind of had the same idea, like, okay, I want to help as many people as I can right now. So when I start keep going, like higher and higher, like I can take those people with me. But in the moment, like, that you diss me or that, like, you just like, okay, whatever, then it's like, because I had, I had a lot of those ideas with people that I know, and they were just like throwing shade. And I was just like, oh, I thought that you were cool. And I was just like, you know what? I just have to be mentored. You know, I don't have to worry about like getting my circle. I just have to worry about making it somewhere and creating something for myself. That way people can see, you know, cause seeing is believing, you know, it's not.
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I, I wish, I don't really wish, but I, I, I kind of hope that once I became successful and, and all my ideas materialized. I hope that more people that kind of, you know, I'm, I'm close with or what we're close with came to me for mentorship. You know, I, when I was a kid, I would have loved, you know, I, I idolized my dad, you know, and my dad was always instilled hard work. A lot of, I don't know if you're familiar with the comedian, Sebastian Maniscalco, but uh, he talks a lot about immigrant families and how the Fathers have a strong work ethic that they instill in the kids. And a lot of those jokes resonate with me because I was 13 years old. My brother was 10 years old. And my father came into the basement while we were watching TV and said, "Uh, you're starting a landscaping business today. Get up and get ready. And we're like, "Uh, I'm 13. And and we started with cutting our lawn and and the neighbors and then the neighbors and then the neighbors by the time I was 17, I had over 350 customers in my book of business. I mean, I was making $50,000 a year at 17 years old and um, cutting, you know, doing landscaping. And, and me and, my, and my, we, my dad used to drive us around all over the place. And, um, and that was the mentality. But, you know, still... At that time, I thought it was, uh, you know, just kind of a temporary thing. And I just hoped to be a cop. And uh, I did it until I went into the academy and kind of we, we gave it up. We, we sold the book of business to another, uh, to another landscaping company. But, you know, that was kind of the start of my entrepreneurship and, 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 and working hard. You know, um, we didn't, you know, we, me, and my, me and my brothers had like brand new cars every year, but that we paid for, right? And um, the challenge now is growing up, you know, raising kids kind of affluent. um, They don't really need or want anything. So we're trying to still, I'm trying to still, uh, trying to instill those work values into my kids. Right. That they still have to work to earn money. They still have to be able to, you know, problem solve and navigate through the real world you know just because you have a driver and a nanny and you know I was at my son's school today he's in a private uh, school and they had they were blowing up a hot air balloon you know and i'm like wow i you know i had dodgeball as a kid on good days in school
0: Cool.
1: <laughs> well, he's got a freaking full size hot air balloons that they're uh that they're putting together on the in front of, in the in the in the yard so for the kids and you know it's kind of uh you want to be able to give your kids everything that you never had, but at the same time, he he need you know they need to be able to be self-sufficient. They need to understand the value of a dollar. They need to understand how to make a dollar. And um, and I and I think it's important. They need to understand how to make a dollar in an unconventional way. Yeah. Everybody's fighting over the same careers in life and the same jobs. It's going to be hard to get one. So sometimes you have to create your own. And, and there's so many different
0: ways to make money.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Legally, of course. Right. So
0: yeah, yeah. making money is free. That's what, that's what we can't forget. Making money is free. That's right. That's so, what never change.
1: Yeah. So I, I, you know, I believe I'm a strong uh, proponent of sweat equity, right? Getting your hands dirty. I still go out into the field. I still deal with, you know entry to mid level uh employees at at my client at clients' companies I still go out and 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 get my hands dirty on a on a project you know i that's just who i am and it shows that you know there's a lot of value in that and it keeps me sharp on my feet and as a you know kind of a manager of of personnel now um it keeps you know i understand what the needs are to keep everybody um successful within the within the enterprise. So, um, you know, I, I feel some people get to a certain level and they're like, uh, you know, I'm just going to kick my feet up and, you know, and just hire people to, to run it for me so I could just spend money. And, I, you know, I don't think that's the case, right? I think, I think the, the play is to keep yourself involved because you were successful and you did something that only you could do. Right. And, and the reward was success. And if you can just hire Johnny Smith to do it for you, then literally anybody could do it. You know? And again, I, everybody I believe has the potential to do it, but not everybody wants to. Some people are happy with a 40 hour work week. Some people are happy with, you know, just making it and having two weeks of vacation or three days off. Um, Other people at the smaller percent, I would say, uh, like myself, don't, you know, the 24 seven around the clock throughout the year commitment is what I enjoy. You know, again, jumping out of the plane and trying to build a parachute before I hit the ground. That's what I love. Hitting The ground in a safe manner is, is money. I don't, you know, I'm not in it for that. I'm in it for the thrill of on the way down, building the parachute and figuring it out and problem solving and, and making things happen that when I know people call me for certain things, it's because nobody else in the industry can do. it. Yeah. Make it happen every time. So that is, that's my reward. And um, you know, I hope, uh, like I said, I hope this, this uh, interview Kind of uh, draws inspiration. It gets people, you know, maybe uh, reaching out uh, to you. Um,
0: yeah, and I, and I and that was that was like the biggest thing, man. Like I really hope so as well. And it really doesn't matter. So like, that's right. That's that's the thing. We have the connection between me and you now. You know, it doesn't It yeah. doesn't matter about anybody else. Like, that's what. Yeah. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Like, now I know. I was like, oh shit, if I ever. Go to Jersey. Go to New York.
1: Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, yeah. Well, I know Hawaii is on my list. Uh, I've been to 100 and something countries and uh, over 200 cities, and I've never been to Hawaii. So uh, that will have to be. I know it's on my wife's list, and uh, she reminds Dude, me. Dude,
0: it's me. fucking dope out here, man. We're staying out here, so.
1: Nice. Yeah, so we'll, uh, I'll make it a trip uh, eventually. And, uh, you know, I think, I, I think this is good to get talking and I hope, uh, you know, like, like you said, that uh, really doesn't matter uh, what people say. You know, I, I enjoy uh, like the Facebook platform because I get to send, you know, I sometimes I use the uh, Facebook posts as reminder notes, right? Cause you always get those anniversary reminders. Yeah. And um, I sent one the other day and it said, uh, one day I will have a New York times bestselling book. And I posted that and wrote, I know Facebook will remind, will will remember the date I send this, the date and time. And I know it will. And, you know, my next, it's not like my very next objective, but uh, I started working on a book and I'm hoping to finish it within the next year and get it published. Uh, Basically, you know, telling the story and more in depth and with more details and the hardships and the, You know, the sacrifice, um, because, you know, there's a lot of people look at, you know, in in entrepreneurship, there's a lot of sacrifice, and it is so hard to have a wife and kids or a husband and kids and and your business, because, you know, the the business comes first. You know, that's like your, your, that's your bread and butter. That is your, that's literally funding your family's activities for the rest of their lives. So, and and that's what you're passionate about. Yeah, I mean, you could, you know, you can be in love with somebody and love your family and go on adventures with them, but the business at times will stand in the way, and it would, and, you know, at some point, you'll always have to make a decision, you know, uh, anniversary dinner, or I have to go on a kind of critical project, you know, the same day, and that project always comes first, and unfortunately, the family. That's right, the family has been coming second. And, you know, my my wife came up, came out with her own brand called the Entrepreneur Wife Style. And it it tells the story of-
0: From a wife to look into that.
1: Exactly, from a significant other's perspective, right? Uh, Because, you know, there's a lot of things. Think about it this way. You know, somebody like Jeff Bezos was married and was developing Amazon, you know, how many ideas did he run past his wife just because, you know, win or lose, she supported him. So it's not just him, right? How many look at the president of the United States? How many ideas do you think that, you know, he bounces off of the first lady that dictates policy and they never get the credit, you know, how many, you know, the, founder like uh, you know uh, what's his name Steve Jobs you know with, with his girlfriend and wife you know how many ideas did he say hey what do you think of this and they gave their opinion on it which ultimately created the these giant you know conglomerate entities that changed life
0: because and the thing is uh, man is a visionary and the right. women are the realest man so they, yeah. they so the best example is you're, you're a kite you can fly, you can fly, but guess who has the string to that kite? You're That's right. Wife. You're That's right.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think it's important to recognize that support structure, even if it's a false perspective, right? Even if they're uh, falsely supporting you, you know, like they really don't believe in you, but they're going to give you recommendations and still support you. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. And, you know, guess what? Everybody knows Steve Jobs. Everybody knows Jeff Bezos, but nobody could name their, their spouses. So Entrepreneur Wife Style was created by uh, Danielle.
0: That's
1: awesome. She has a blog. It's uh, entrepreneurwife.style. And she tells this story similar to what I'm talking about, but from her perspective. And, you know, just as an example Uh, She did a split screen in one of her blogs and said, uh, you know, here's a here's a here's a dinner picture. And it was a picture of me. We were on a rooftop. Uh, I think it was for our anniversary or her birthday or just date night. And we were at a rooftop in Manhattan and the Empire State Building. The skyline is behind. And it's a picture of me looking and smiling. And then she took another picture and she wrote the actual reality. And it's the phone in front of my face. And, you know, the, the reality is is that, you know, you reflect a certain image to people uh, to make things look spectacular, but in reality, you know, the phone is interrupting our, our meal and our, our time together. And, you know, while the phone is, is critical, I mean, you know, thankfully, you know, this phone is worth eight figures, I'm sure, uh, with the information that's on it, right? And, uh, but... Um, you know, it it does get in between relationships and, you know, it's hard to see, you know, you you always see these, again, these executives in the spotlight and there's nothing ever uh, told about their spouse. Maybe they reference them or what, but they never see, you never hear the story from their, from their perspective. So I would, you know, definitely check out her blog. It, It shines a lot of light on what it's like to live with an entrepreneur. Right. From before when I was just a, a worker for New York City uh, to my time in the military and uncertainty. Right. We all plans stop because you're going to war. You don't know what's what's happening until you get home, if you make it home and then start, you know, then kind of in 2011, the start of the next, the the current kind of chapter of building. And um, so it's, it's a great blog. I'm also uh, again, we spoke before. Uh, We went live, but um, I am uh, chrisgraff.com. I'm launching that soon. So that'll be my website and I'll start blogging as well. And we'll, you know, be a place to reach out and contact for collaboration. And, you know, the site in general, I, I aim it to, uh, you know, have people draw inspiration from right on, motivate themselves. Oh yeah, man. Yeah.
0: I mean, that puts us like right at the hour mark, dude. And, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to get off here. I just want to. Yeah, it
1: out, we, can, but, we can definitely set something up again. We'll. Uh, yeah, man. Funny we'll to talk about, I think. And, you know, maybe we can, uh, you know, we'll work out some ideas, uh, you know, in between. But, uh, yeah.
0: Of course. Of course, yeah. man. But, yeah, I mean, if you want to give them all your social medias, man, and uh, where yeah. to find you, um, yeah. so, Instagram,
1: uh, Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, the name is uh, kind of long, but everything's really under. I am Chris Graffinino is the uh, is the handle. I'm sure uh, you could provide it in a link or something.
0: Yeah, I will, man. That's that's all I that's all I got to do for you, man. I will just put it up.
1: You, so, yeah, well, uh, keep grinding, and uh, you know, uh, hope to uh, talk soon.
0: Of course, man. Take care.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much.
0: Yep.